Welcome or welcome back to the Mind of George podcast. My job here is to help heart-centered marketers and entrepreneurs ethically scale their businesses by deepening your relationships with your customers, your employees, and yourselves. I'm a little bit crazy and I'm super stoked to have you, but if you haven't joined my crazy family yet, just go to mindofgeorge.com and remember that relationships will always beat algorithms. Now, couple housekeeping notes here in the intro. Please remember to subscribe, leave a review, even if you tell me that I belong in a mental institute and I'm just a little bit crazy, but I'm here to support you, I'm okay with that as well. Otherwise, keep listening because we have some gold for you today. All right, you guys ready? All right, I'm super excited to be here. Today's episode, the 50th episode of the podcast I've been trying to launch for nine years, and we finally did it. And now we are 50 episodes deep, and I don't even know what amount of time, like three months. So I'm pretty stoked on this. We, we may have ramped up the volume a little bit, but I'm excited about today's episode. And I know you heard me mention this in a couple other episodes. Today is going to be one of my favorite episodes because we have some absolutely amazing rock stars um, that I've known for years that are in my community that are living this life, changing the world, standing in their power, standing in their mission. And I'm going to introduce them to you. We're going to get into some questions, do some hot seats, ask them some questions and share. And I want you to listen to this episode through the lens of applying it to your business, right? So everybody is unique. All of us as entrepreneurs, all of us are people. We all operate a little bit differently in trying to accomplish the same goals, right? And so it doesn't matter the business. It doesn't matter the person. What I want you to be listening for is like takeaways or principles that apply to you or, oh, I get that they did that with a food company or, you know, Ed's a public speaker and is changing the global conversation, but how would I apply that in my business? Or Will is helping people heal their insides, you know, through supplementation, but how could I apply different principles? And so one of the ways in which I've learned in most of my career and I've been able to replicate success is because I don't look at the wrapping paper that everybody in the world sees. I look at for what's underneath it. Right. And so, you know, one tangible example is like, Oh yeah, well, you know, I send them this in the email. I send them this in the email. Well, you're not going to be able to talk to your community the same way in an email. But if you listen to the fact that like, Oh, we send them five emails in over seven days and that tends to work, then structurally you have, kind of the plan that's there. And you want to be looking for the blueprints. You want to be listening for things that are blueprints for you to apply into your business. And so uh, we have five amazing guests on the show. Well, four amazing guests in my team, Tyler, and I might put Tyler in a hot seat too, because Tyler's, Tyler's my right hand who keeps all of this working. I would say I work for Tyler and I love him to pieces for that, but he is who keeps the grease, the grease and the wheels are going. So Ed, I'm going to have you come on first. Unmute yourself, my friend. There we go. So everybody, we got Ed. So Ed, why don't you, and you know what, Ed, I'm, I'm going to give you two minutes. You, you deserve, your story deserves some light here and I'm going to kick you off of the bang. So why don't you give everybody like a two minute overview of your story and how you got here? Thank you, George. It's a pleasure to be here. Congratulations on your 50th episode. That is awesome, man. Great work. Great work. So my name's Ed Cressy. I am almost certainly the only person ever who was once arrested by the FBI, then turned my life around and received a community service award from the director of the FBI. My award was for my work to reduce recidivism and drug addiction in the San Francisco Bay Area, where I am from. Of all the help I received to turn my life around, from my history of drug addiction and criminal activity, 
some of the most meaningful help came my way from persons in law enforcement and from persons who are or were incarcerated. Thus, my life's mission, my purpose is to build bridges of trust between law enforcement and communities that are affected by incarceration and addiction. I volunteer for the FBI, for the police department in my home of San Francisco to help them better serve communities that are marginalized, that are affected by incarceration and addiction. I also volunteer inside maximum security prisons in California and jails in San Francisco, coaching individuals who are incarcerated in entrepreneurism, employment, and personal development so they can turn their lives around like I turn mine around. My current challenge is to move from a state of inspiring audiences with my story to a future state of enrolling champions to spread my message. Oh, I love Thanks that one. Again. Yeah, I love that one, Ed. And so, Ed, um, just real quickly, and I'm going to do what nobody else does on podcasts. Can you tell everybody, you have a book out, right? And then where can people find you now? So I just want them to hear it multiple times. So what's the name of your book? And where can people find you to learn more about what you're doing? My, uh, thank you, George. My book is called My Addiction and Recovery. Just because you're done with drugs doesn't mean drugs are done with you. You can find it anywhere books are sold. And if I could give my website real quickly. Yeah, please. Thank you. It's www.edkresy.com. You can find my blog, it's my book, and, uh, and join the tribe. I love it, man. I love it. So his name's Ed Cressy. And, and I actually do some of this work with Ed. I volunteer for the same organization and go into prisons. And um, Ed, real quick, I, I have two more questions for you. One, just for anybody wondering, um, can you just explain to everybody what recidivism is? Because I think it's an important thing to understand when you reference it. Yeah, recidivism, you know, uh, America is, we're supposed to be the land of second chances here in America. Unfortunately, we don't always embody that. It's very difficult for many individuals who have paid their debts, who have served their time to effectively rejoin society. So recidivism is when persons leave incarceration and then unfortunately uh, return to incarceration. Okay, cool. And now for the question to kick it off, what is the biggest mistake that you have ever made in business and what did you learn? The biggest mistake was a lack of focus and allowing my activities to be dominated by fear rather than possibility. Well, we're going to have to dive into that one. I love it. I love it. Easy answer. All right. Uh, we're going to go to you, Will. So, Will, jump on. Everybody, we're going to get an intro from amazing Will. So, Will, uh, give, a, give us the rundown, my friend. All right. Hi, everybody. Uh, I just want to say that I'm honored to be on your 50th. Uh, I've listened to all of them that have been released so far. So I'm really uh, proud to be a part of this and I'll try my best to make it a good one. Thanks um, for being here, man. Uh, about eight years ago, I got sick as a dog one morning and six months later, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, which is an inflammatory bowel disease. And uh, the doctor basically went straight for the uh, sort of hardcore drugs that they put a lot of people on. Nothing wrong with those. They save a lot of people's lives. I just wasn't really interested in 70 years of being on a cancer drug. I mean, which is essentially, that's what mm -hmm. a lot of them are is cancer drugs. Uh, and so I just dove into the research to see what other options were out there. Um, herbal supplements was one of the big things. I did a ton of research. I mean, a ton of research. I made a list of everything that anybody had ever said worked. I then cross-referenced that with anything that had actually had a, a study, a scientific study 
pared my list down, made myself a concoction. Uh, over the course of a year or so, myself, I healed not for any commercial purposes. I just was healing myself. Uh, then I was spending a ton of money on products, but I was also learning more about products. And I realized how many people out there are kind of shady, not doing the best things, maybe not even giving you what you say you're getting. And I just thought, if it's working for me, it can work for other people. And I know that I will do it, you know, the right way. I, maybe that's not the best way to say it, but, you know, knowing that it's going to be high quality at a, a, a real price, it's not going to be a 55% time markup like some of them. And uh, basically started intestinal fortitude a year and a half ago. Um, it's been really going very well um, and came into your community probably about a year ago. And I'm just yeah. you know, being a part of it. And what, what's your day job? So my day job is at a, a nuclear power plant. I'm a, a radiation protection specialist. So uh, I spend a lot of time uh, walking around, taking, taking measurements uh, of radiation and things of that nature, which is all very low and very safe, don't worry. But uh, while I'm doing that walking around, I have my pods in and I'm listening to podcasts like yours and, and some others and uh, really trying to make the most of my time. And uh, so I just left there today caught the ferry boat home and hustled, hustled over here to get ready for this. I love it, man. I love it. And, uh, you know, one of the things I'll say is I'm very familiar with your world and community since I was in that world for eight years. And, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's sad and amazing at the same time. Like it's so easy to go to those heavy prescriptions and then people struggle with Crohn's. Some of my dear friends all struggle with Crohn's and they've all found relief doing things the natural way. So I just wanted to thank you for, you know, using your story and turning your mess into your message and creating a product that's there. And I think that's ultimately why people trust you and why you have it is. So where can everybody find you, find out more about intestinal fortitude? So it's uh, intestinalfortitude.com. Uh, and uh, basically there are my stories there. Our products are there. Um, we are trying to expand some more products, but you know, catch what's out there now and uh, you know, tell me what you think and certainly give it a shot. We do have a hundred percent money back guarantee because we don't want to give anything to anybody who doesn't want it or need it. And uh, so try it. And if you don't like it, let us know. <laughs> we'll make it right with you. I love it, man. I love it. Now, one question about you and your business. Um, what's the big vision? Like what's the three-year vision for you and intestinal fortitude? Like where do you want to be? Where do you want to see it? How many people do you want to be impacting? Like I'd kind of love to hear the vision. Gotcha. Um, so basically right now we have three products. Um, I have a list of probably 33 products that I think that we could come out with. Uh, all in that natural gut health. You know, we started out very focused on IBD, Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, but we've found traction with um, sort of the leaky gut and the greater gut health community. Um, so I think as we, as time goes on, we'll expand out into more of a, a gut health brand, more so than an IBD brand, um, and obviously helping as many people as possible. Uh, I really like to take uh, more of a, an education approach and start giving information out to people so that they see uh, the things that I spent hundreds of hours reading up on, they can get to it easier and it can help them make better decisions. They don't have to necessarily just go with the first thing that anybody's told them. Doctors are great, doctors save lives, but some of them are very quick to just tell you, uh, here's the drug, take it, go on. Uh, so I just like to be able to offer an alternative option to read up on and decide if this is something that's worth trying. So really my big press in the next three years is to become more of an education-based company that then of course supports the education with the supplements that will help you. I love it, man. I love it. And I've been on this journey for a long time. The only doctor we have is ourself. It's got to start there. So I love that, man. I love it. Awesome. All right, Tammy, I'm going to come to you and then Alp, I'm going to go to you. So Tammy, Tammy just makes delicious food to keep people happy, bellies full and heart open. But Tammy, why don't you tell everybody who you are? 
I'm Tammy Winters. Um, I just recently started a food blog. Um, basically, just to, to help people find the treasures that they have in their community. And I'm interviewing um, local chefs and local food people. Anybody that does anything with food, interviewing them and putting it up right now on my Facebook group. Um, would like to eventually, I'm hoping to do like a nonprofit, looking into doing like a nonprofit organization to help struggling restaurants. Mm. And with that nonprofit, how would you be helping struggling restaurants? Would it become to like running the restaurant or food sourcing or, or what's the vision for that? I am not totally sure right now. It's okay. just an idea right now, but just because so, it, it just really tore my heart out just hearing about restaurants struggling during the, the COVID-19 mm -hmm. and just to be able to, to help them in some way, you know, get up on their feet and get going, whether with marketing or mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. And I think it, well, I think it's true. And I can, if this can speak to your heart, your first thing is I just want to start a nonprofit to help other people. Well, you, you do this. And I think the restaurant industry, across the board and I've worked with a lot of them, like that industry is basically destined to fail from the get-go and very few make it out. Profit margins are low, food waste, production, cost, all those things. So there's a lot there. Um, and then with the content and the things that you produce, you interview chefs locally, you help people in their community find food and you share it on Facebook to help people educate them about food, give them the better choices, find what's around them to support themselves in health. Yeah, what's the name you of your know, Facebook so group? Um, it's Cuisine Explorer. I've got Cuisine Explorer and then Cuisine Explorer Family. Okay. Two Facebook okay. groups? Um, one's a group and the other one is just a page. Okay. Got it. Got it. So everybody can find you on Facebook under Cuisine Explorer or Cuisine Explorer Family. You have an Instagram too? Um, I do. It's not very active right now. <laughs> and it's, it's Cuisine Explorer also. Okay. Got it. Got it. So for everybody listening, if they come find you, like, in your Facebook group, like what are some of the things that like you help them understand about food, their quality of their food? Like, are those areas that you cover? Um, I would like to right now. I'm just like sharing recipes or sharing oh, love it. other people's recipes that I enjoy. Well, everybody's got a um, lot of time to cook now. So definitely. <laughs> I think that's a good place to be. Okay. Awesome. I'll come back to you in a minute and uh, Elp, I would love to give the floor to you, my friend and uh give the world give the world who you are what you do where to find you all that fun stuff right so hi i'm a local hypnotist and coach in berlin germany uh, and i'm a full full-time hypnotist i specialize in three areas i help people quit smoking with usually with one session and lifetime guarantee then i help them to lose weight if they struggle for many years, we all know it's, it's not the knowledge. We all know what to do, but we don't do it. Same thing is when it comes to stress and fears. So these are my three specialties. Besides, I still have clients about all kinds of topics with allergies, with uh, uh, food addictions, with panic attacks, with all kinds of stuff. I treat, but the three specialties are the, are the ones that I counted. I'm in, in the training and coaching industry, honestly, since my adolescence, I do this 
for more than 33 years now. I started in the martial arts area, later went into, into uh, uh, communication psychology, was in the corporate world, trained salespeople, trained executives, coach executives for many years, and now I just do hypnosis only. And in between, I have a passion for meditation and spent seven years in a Buddhist monastery myself. Then 13 years ago, I came back to, to, the, to the normal crazy life, <laughs> have two crazy, beautiful, crazy children now and, and love, love them to pieces. And yeah, now, now I'm um, in the process of, of expanding really my, my services and my knowledge and want to reach a lot of people just besides one-on-one. That's I where I'm at I love it. I feel like we could do an entire episode together and we might on you in the monastery and the lessons learned from that amount of stillness and attention, my friend. That is amazing. And I'm I'm absolutely honored to have you. So I'm going to actually ask you a question uh, right now that's going to kick off a question for everybody. So um, obviously you have a pretty lengthy career here, experience, lots of experience, things like that. What do you say would be like there's always that defining moment, that aha moment, or that was worth it moment, right? And so when you look at your business, the success you've had to get here, what has been that one moment where you're like, I focused on this, everybody said I shouldn't have, or I knew it to be true, and everybody said it wouldn't work, but like, what was that moment for you in your business? Um, thing was, I, I mean, I have my own business very successfully since one year only. Okay. Before I was working part-time and employed. And I think that I, I wouldn't say it's one thing. I'm sorry. There are no, two you're things. good. Two. One thing, was, one thing was that I needed to really honestly face and say, I need to learn business and marketing. It's not enough to have a big heart and wanting to help people. Second thing was that I needed to find, I need to find a way to communicate what people want and later give them what they need. I always wanted to start by communicating what they really need, which, which is looking inside, which is awareness, which is transforming. But I couldn't sell shit with this. <laughs> I couldn't build a business, right? So I wanted to offer them what they really need. But now I, I start with what they want. They want to quit smoking. Very simple. They want to change their food habits. In the end, it all comes back to what I've learned in the monastery, you can say. It all comes back to really how you look inside and, and change it. But that's not where you start communicating. So I needed to find the language where people are and, and take them by the hand and, and later educate them with me. Once they gain trust, once, once they find out, I can't trust this person. He's for real. He's not only in for the money. He really has my best interest in his mind. And, and then I can give them. But this was the big insight. And this, I must say, because I, I've had such a learning curve before, uh, I, I'm one of the few coaches in my community and, and also hypnotists. I have long-term uh, hypnotists who couldn't sell a dime. They're still wondering where they get clients from because they didn't learn really the skill of business, which you need to learn. And it's just a skill. And it doesn't come back to how good you are as a therapist or hypnotist, but it's a different skill set you need to master first and then reach the masses. And that's why I encountered you and loved all what you do, really. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean that answer, that answer probably had eight gold nuggets in it, like right there. <laughs> I mean, that was that was loaded, and and I think um, it's a really 
I think it's easier to see when you come from a heart, right? Because you're not coming right. from a transaction, you're coming from a transformation, right? And then right. just learning that what we have to do as entrepreneurs, as business owners, no matter what stage of business you're in, you could be a startup or you could be doing $10 million a year, $20 million a year, but at the end of the day, it's people. All yes. you're doing is in, uh, affecting and impacting people. Yes. And in order for them to be impacted, they have to understand the language you're using. And I tell people, it's like being a tourist, right? Like right. if you walk into another country and you start speaking a language they don't speak, they're not going to understand you. You're not going to get there. You have to speak their language. And so I absolutely love that. And, and I think for me, the takeaway from that would be being like tenaciously committed to meeting people where they are with value, yes. agnostic yes. of the credit card purchase and, and knowing that that follows, knowing that absolutely. it gives them the win and gets them in momentum. I absolutely love that. I absolutely love that. Ed, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to you and ask you the same question because you've, you've had quite an illustrious life, um, roller coaster life. So when you, when you look back, you know, obviously you've experienced things from trauma and addiction and arrests and, you know, incarcerations and, and a lot of things on there. And, um, you know, for you to be sitting where you are now is, uh, it's, it's like humbling to be really, really frank with you. It's humbling and it's motivating and it's inspiring. But I know that there were some dark times. I know that there was, you know, some stuff there, but like when you look back, like what was that one thing for you that you stayed focused on or that was your North star or your guiding light that kind of got you back to this point? Well, the guiding light is always spirituality, that, that belief in, um, in some spiritual presence and the way that manifests itself is in service to others and self-improvement. Mm. So if whatever I'm doing fits into one or more of those three, spirituality, self-improvement, or service to others, then I know it's probably helping me get to my goal. If not, then maybe I should be focusing on something else. What were, what were those three again? Spirituality, service to others, and self-improvement, the three S's. I feel like that might be a recipe for guaranteed life and business success. I, I actually was like, as you said it, I was thinking through like, oh, there's got to be a hole in that. I was like, nope, I don't think there's any way to lose that. that that's the way to get there. And so at, at another question for you, um, you know, I've experienced in my life, you know, some resistance and, you know, some traumatic events, not nearly to the terms of you. Like I was in combat, you were incarcerated, but I know there's like that pivotal moment, right? That thought moment. And you were in some dark times with some, you know, crazy stuff and you can share whichever you like, but what was that like light bulb moment for you? Like, what was that, uh, that critical mass step where you were like, this is enough, or I have to change this, or this path isn't there. Like, what was it that got you through that or created that clarity for you? It was a night in October, 2007. I hadn't showered or brushed my teeth in months. I'd been in methamphetamine psychosis for over four years, meaning I heard disembodied voices and believed in FBI, invisible planes with my family on board following me around. I was wearing the only clothes I owned, which was this filthy tuxedo, because I'd spent a summer working at the strip clubs, and they had fired me and wouldn't hire me back. To make a long story short, um, I found myself in a hotel ballroom at the threshold of a wedding reception. I realized that in the previous few years, five weddings had taken place that were the unions of 10 of my closest friends. You know how many I showed up to of those five weddings? Zero, not one. So when I looked back, when I at that moment in 2007 understood at some level 
just how much I had hurt the people around me as much as, if not more so than I hurt myself, then I knew I had to find some spiritual path. I knew that at that point I had thrown away everything of a material nature. I'd thrown away my home, my career in biotechnology. I'd thrown away my BMW motorcycle. Everything I owned of a material nature, I'd thrown away. So all I had left was the spiritual. And that's when I began to pursue that spiritual path. And Ed, thank you for that answer because I had a feeling that that's what you would say and I appreciate you teeing me up for this question. So the reason I say that is because like we're entrepreneurs, we're business owners, right? But at the crux of it, we're people, right? And what I have found as an entrepreneur is that normally when there's resistance in business or fear in business or scarcity in business, that it's not in the business that I'm feeling it. The business doesn't have feelings. It's recognizing something in my life that I'm feeling, right? And so the business is just a mirror or let's say a, a peephole into, you know, what's happening. And so, you know, Ed, I, I would, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you this again, because when I think about entrepreneurship, uh, you know, in the day of a life of an entrepreneur, we probably have a hundred triggers a day. Some of them might be good triggers. Some of them might be bad triggers, right? Like I can't figure this out. This didn't work. This launch failed. That customer didn't work lost my business here and all of those different things. And we're left with this like pile of stuff, like just pile of stuff that freezes us and keeps us out of momentum. People like Elp, they don't find right away, right? Who can just know it's a mindset shift and everything. But Ed, what, I, what I'm venturing to guess is that when you made that commitment, it wasn't overnight when you're like, oh, I'm better now. I'm out of prison. I got a reward from the FBI. I wrote a book. I changed the world. Like there was a process. It was the long game. And what it sounds like to me is that in that moment, you, you reconnected to yourself and created a new why. You kind of created a new vision for your life. And you're like, this isn't a one-year vision, right? Like, I can't even get out of this hole in one year. But you're like, no matter what, I'm not getting off of it. The target is down there, and I'm just going to step towards it every day. And it sounds like you just took a daily step, right? And I'm sure there were moments of resistance. And so what did you kind of tell yourself? Because, And I say this for everybody listening because, like, whether you're in business or not, you're starting, you're going, your emails are working, your ads are working, they're not working, your business is failing. Like, I'm losing our company in the middle of this. Like in the middle of all of this, like we went from 80 grand a day to $80 every two days because of a stack of perfect storm in the middle of this. And it hurts. Like it feels like there's a, a knife twisting in my stomach every day I look at that book and those balance sheets, right? And at the end of the day, I can look at them all day and it's not going to change what I see. It's not going to change what's in front of me. What is, is the awareness of it and the action. So Ed, how did you navigate that? Like, how did you kind of lean in and move forward towards that? Well, George, that's a beautiful story. Thank you. For me, I learned early on to understand that the one thing I know about the future, really the only thing I know is that my time on this earth will end. You know, I don't even know if I'll make it through this entire podcast. There could be a meteor strike. I, I hope, or any I hope so, too. I hope so. <laughs> but I know someday, you know, I'll pass on from this life and uh, what I will either I'll move on to another existence or at least I'll look back upon my existence here on Earth. And what will I want to have looked back, to, back upon? Mm -hmm. uh, it probably, like you say, it won't be a spreadsheet. It won't be a bank account. It won't be a home. I want to look back on having brought a level of value to people who need it most. And the people who maybe not need it most, but who people I'm most able to serve because of my unique story are persons who are or were incarcerated, are persons in law enforcement who are doing great jobs to help people like me. 
that's how I guide myself through the very challenging times of uncertainty, of fear, of depression, of not knowing what the future might hold. That's what I use to guide me. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's really funny. When you said that, I had a thought pop in my mind. I said, my bank account balance doesn't go on my tombstone, right? Like, at no, at no point is that there, nor my ROAS of my ads or my email open rates or my conversion rates. And, and I, think, I think the power in this is also not owning the results that happen in your business. They're not us. They're not an image of us. They're just a product of the ingredients we put together. And it tasted okay, just not how we wanted. So we just restructure those ingredients, but it has no, nothing to do with who we are as people. So I love that, Ed. All right, Will, I got a question for you. And Will, I know this one's super applicable. So, so Will, what I love and admire about you um, is your work ethic and your drive. Like you motivate the crap out of me. You're a machine. You have a long commute. You work long hours. You spend a lot of time away from home. And then you take that time when you're done at your day job to fund your dream and then come give your dream the equal amount of attention as you, you kind of navigate two worlds. And so you're working hard on changing the world and changing people's lives. Well, also having to fund it by working for other people as you build this. And, and I think it's an absolutely admirable thing, but I have a question for you. When, when you think about it, you know, I think in the world you live in, you can't be a shotgun. You can't have distraction. You can't be all over the place because you don't have the time. And so how do you first kind of set your mindset, set your day and set your containers to be able to focus on both and give them all of will to get the results? And then how do you go about prioritizing where you spend your time to create the results that you have? Well, yeah. So I do spend a lot of hours uh, at the power plant. Uh, sometimes we work as much as 72 hours a week for three months in a row. Uh, and so when I get home, I also have three kids, seven, four, and three. Uh, so I get home, it's three, four, five hours of daddy time. And then it's uh, intestinal fortitude time from say 11 PM until 1 AM, give or take. Uh, so you're right. I, I do need to be focused. Uh, I think actually the, the challenges for me, uh, is I'm focused on the, uh, most pressing matter, uh, which is usually, you know, customer service type things. Um, sales and whatnot through Amazon, through the site. Uh, and I, I don't have the time uh, to then focus on the sort of longer term uh, stuff that I need to be, uh, like Alp said, you know, the, 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 the marketing business side of it all. Um, I have to focus on just like the, get the sales out the door, get them to the people so that they're happy, they're, they're, they're experiencing, you know, our products, but then also obviously some money coming in to continue to pay for the products. Um, so I try to be laser focused. I try not to be a shotgun, um, but it, unfortunately, it's a very small uh, target that I, I can hit each night uh, before getting my, uh, you know, three, four hours of sleep. And, and I just listened to one of your podcasts that talked about, you can't sleep that little. You have to get your six and seven. And I was kind of laughing. I was like, oh, George isn't going to like my answer later on today. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Don't make so me I, come find you. I'll come find you. I, and come, come put me to sleep a little early each night. It'll be fine. No, I, I, well, you know what? It's interesting. And, and Elp, Elp alluded to this too, right? Where he said, you know, like you have to learn the skills of business and marketing, having a big heart and having just the offering, the ability to help people, isn't it? But I think the one thing to remember is that it's also not a light switch. You don't turn it on overnight. You iterate, right? And everything you do has to be based on needs, right? Because you have to complete a task in this area to then earn the right to start the next task, to see it all the way through, right? And so I just wanna give everybody a reference listening to this. Uh, Mike Michalowicz in his book, Fix This Next, took Maslow's hierarchy of needs 
and created the business hierarchy of needs, both from a sales perspective, a cash flow perspective, an emotional perspective, to kind of help you self-diagnose where it is. And I, I think, you know, Will, in your answer, and I love it, and I really appreciate the candor of like what it is and like understanding that there's times that, you know, we have to sacrifice a few things, but it can't be permanent. Like your normal can't be sleeping four hours a night or we won't have a will, right? It might be a, hey, I'm doing this for a week until I get here and just putting tight containers on it is the right way. And as you free things up, you create space for more things to happen. But I think the most important thing about all of us, and you kind of said this, is like, you're very clear on where you want to go. You're like, I know I need this long-term vision. I know I have to have this long journey. I know I have to have it all. But you're also very intelligent in recognizing that you won't be able to build it if you don't have the cash flow coming in to build it. And so you're prioritized in a manner that's allowing you to do the best that you can with what you have while constantly iterating and improving. And I think that's something that it took me about 10 years to learn as an entrepreneur. Tyler will tell you. I was like, hey, man, we're doing a course. He's like, yeah, when is it going to be done? I'm like, tomorrow. And he's like, what, you psycho? What? He's like, you cannot record 40 videos in a day. I'm like, I have. He's like, stop. Right? And, it, and it's really easy. It's really, really easy. And so, uh, Will, I have a question about how you kind of keep a hold of this, right? So you have intestinal fortitude, which is what you're building, what's your business. And what I heard you say is that you know where you're focusing on right now, Amazon, customer service, the sales, which is where you need to be, right? That's where your energy and attention is deemed right now. You also have a vision of where you want to go. Have you just taken the time to document in a parking lot all the ideas that you want to get to, right? Like, I want this email sequence. I want these products. And just getting them out of your brain, getting the ambiguity and the uncertainty out and getting it documented so that you can prioritize that. Like, how do you prioritize that or keep yourself focused that what you're doing right now is creating space for where you're going to go? Gotcha. Um, no, the answer is no. I, I have the vision. I have the umbrella. Uh, you know, I have my, my walk around brain that keeps adding to the list. Um, but I, uh, I, I don't necessarily know how to get from where I am now to the vision. I mean, I think honestly, I think what I do have laid out is a roadmap to get to a very, not only successful company, but a company that like that hundred, hundred year kind of company yep. that really is something that people look back on and, and, and know and, and, like, oh yeah, I take their, you know, whatever. And oh, this other person takes their whatever. And it's a real deal thing. I think I have the roadmap. I lack the, uh, I don't know, not exactly ability, but I, I lack the, the figure out. I'm, I'm going to give, I'm going to give you some, co I'm going to give you some coaching right now. I'm going to give you some coaching right now. Cause all you need is thinking time. That's all you need. All you need. Like I'm sure Elp would jump in and, and validate this for me. But when we think about it, in my experience, everything that stays up here is a dangerous game because it will loop itself over and over into every capacity, everything. And what ends up happening is we operate as an, oh, and for those of you listening, I'm running my hand around my head. It operates in the cesspool of my brain. Um, but what happens is, is that it actually navigates all of the real estate of our prime thinking time and our focus and our attention because we're pulled in another direction, right? And so you know, one of the reasons like therapy works and, and even things, you know, like, and in hypnosis, it's a little different because we're changing subconscious beliefs, but it starts in the top. But the reason therapy works is the moment you take it out of your head and put it on a paper or put it into words, it gives you an accurate representation of what it's there, right? You get to see it for what it is, not for whatever belief or meaning we put on it. And so, Will, I, I, would, I would challenge you and anybody thinking this, like I'm an, I'm an idea addict, right? Like I'm you know, I'm not in recovery yet, but I'm getting close. And so I have a hundred ideas a day. And so 
every time I have one, I document it, I document it, I document it, I document it just to give myself space knowing that I have it, right? And then you get it documented down and then you have to think, you have to work in thinking time. You have to work in reflection time in your business and in your life, right? Like, you know, Keith Cunningham, who wrote The Road Less Stupid, which is an amazing book, by the way, um, recommends like at least an hour of thinking time a day with you, a blank piece of paper and a pen, no phone, no music, no prompts, no nothing. You just think and think and think and write. And, you know, Will, with what you're doing, you have to build a bridge, right? You're building a second bridge with intestinal fortitude so you can stop driving over the daily job bridge, right? And so there's parts of that bridge that have to be laid first and have to be laid next and you'll know what they are, right? And so just give yourself the thinking time because I would rather anybody be intentional with your actions than reactive with them and like, oh, 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 what's next? And you probably do have that roadmap, right? And so sleep a little more. I'm gonna get mad at you. Sleep a little more and, and utilize that thinking time. Like create your parking lot. Like this week, your focus might be Amazon you know, customer service and writing one more email. And then you do that for five weeks until you have five emails done and then that's done. And then you move on to the next one. But you have to give laser focus or sniper rifle focus to everything that you do and you have to complete a task before you move on to another one. So I asked not knowing, but I watch you function. I'm like, you're crushing, right? So keep doing it and make those tweaks. I, I think you do know the path and I absolutely love it. So awesome, cool. Uh, Tammy, I got a question for you. We're going to get into like kind of challenges. So Tammy, in what you're building right now or what you want to build, what do you see as like your biggest challenge that you would love to get solved or, or even work through like right now? Is it clarity? Is it how to execute it? Is it the monetization path? Like where do you see your biggest challenge? Oh, all of the above. Definitely the monetization <laughs> path. But um, right now, really just creating how the strategies on creating quality posts on Facebook and Instagram. Yep. Yep. So when it comes to creating quality posts on Facebook and Instagram, what, what tends to get in your way? Like when you go think about it, like what stresses you out or what, what challenges do you face when you're planning that? Uh, planning. Got it. That <laughs> was my first sitting guess. Down, sitting down and planning, planning it out. Cause that's what I would like to do is plan out the post for the week rather than just saying, Oh, what am I going to post tonight? Yes. Yes. So when you said it earlier, I, I asked you like what your vision was, right? And it seemed like oh, I want this and I want this. And, you know, sometimes I do this and I interview this. And so I hear clarity, right? Like I hear, hear clarity, like knowing where you want your people to go. Right. And so, you know, I'm going to use recipes. I'm going to use recipes because it's the easiest one and it's applicable. And so in order for you to create recipes, you have to know who's going to be utilizing them, who they are, and then you have to know how they cook, how they want to cook, and where they want to end up. And just like Elp said, the recipes are just the entry point for what people want, but not what they need. Recipes are a window into accountability, self-care, self-love, discipline, intentionality, right? Like when I ran Civilized Caveman, I said I used paleo banana bread to Trojan horse into your soul, right? And so I would use that to get your attention, and then I'd talk about why you're eating desserts every day and why you were self-sabotaging, right? And so there's levels of this. So Tammy, for me, I think to set you up to win, and I know your business and I know what you do pretty well, I think what I would be focusing on is picking one lane, right? Is it recipes? Is it food education? Is it interviewing chefs on a particular topic? And you have to narrow in on one because that focus is the first place for you to start. So you're like, I'm going to just produce recipes. And I'm like, okay, cool. And you're like, maybe they're all 30 minutes or less, you know, 
10 ingredients or less, nothing complicated. They don't necessarily have to fall into a paleo AIP thing, but you have to solve a problem. And then you get consistent on that. But when you make that plan, oh yeah, I'm going to focus on, you know, 30 minute or less recipes or people that don't have a lot of time. I'm going to make sure every recipe can be prepped and made in 30 minutes, Crock-Pot, Instapot. Well, now all of a sudden you have a bucket of all the content that you can post about because now you know what you're creating. And so then when you plan the creation of it, then you take that and you go to social and you're like, who's in my group? How often can they consume content? And let's be honest, I was a food blogger. I made the mistake of posting a recipe every day. Nobody makes a recipe every day. If somebody finds a recipe on the internet, you maybe get one or two a week when they break their normal routine or cycle because they're during the week, they don't have time, they're not cooking that often, right? So you have to understand their cadence and you do and you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna post you know, a one new recipe a week and then I'm gonna share two cooking tips this week and then I'm gonna share two food health tips or education tips on GMO versus organic versus non-GMO versus pastured and free range and all those laws, right? And then maybe once a week you interview a chef or you interview them and then you just share their questions, right? So you start there. This is what I want to create. And then this is how I'm going to share it because how people want it and need it. This is the content I think they'll like. This is what they've told me. I've asked them. Then you put a 30 to 90 day plan together. You make one recipe a week. You plan out like, oh, today's tip one, today's tip two. And then you engage in the comments while asking questions and people are going to, God, Tammy, I really wish you gave me more Instapot recipes or Tammy, I really don't want any more recipes. Will you just teach me about food quality? And that's where the path reveals itself. And then you do another audit with thinking time and then you look at it again. And so the monetization comes once you've solved the problem because you can't monetize something you can't sell and you can't sell something when you don't know what it is that you're actually selling. And if you create it out of thin air, <laughs> it doesn't really work. And so the path to that, like Will, for example, the only reason Will has a product to sell is because he solved his own problem and knew that other people had that problem and then created a product to help those people. Well, in the food of world, uh, nobody has a recipe problem, right? How many recipes are on the internet? Like a couple hundred billion, right? Oh, like nice. I remember, trust me, I remember. Nobody has a recipe problem. They might have a, I don't have time. I don't know how to prioritize my time. I don't know how to cook. I don't know knife skills. I don't know how to make that. I don't want it to be that complicated. How do I cook for one? How do I cook for six? How do I cook seven dinners in two days? And if you just create a cadence of the medium and a recipe would be the medium with a few tips, people will identify what they really, really want to learn for you. And so for me, for example, Civilized Caveman, I produced 450 recipes or so over eight years. And um, the two most popular recipes were the two ugliest and easiest recipes on my website. Okay. So paleo banana bread was eight ingredients that went into a blender and only four of them were real. The rest was like salt and baking soda poured into a pan. That thing was pinned over a billion times, accounted for almost 30 million views to my website. And I was like, oh, cool. And then crock pot simple short ribs. So beef short ribs with one onion and a jar of marinara sauce in a crock pot. Almost a billion views with an iPhone photo that looked like my dog threw up in a bowl. <laughs> and it's shocking because I invested hours and hours and $25,000 in camera equipment and food stylists for those other recipes. And they never got the traction because they didn't solve a problem. They were just food porn, right? And so what did crock pot simple short ribs solve? Well, they had a full dinner in the pot and cooking in five minutes and they could set it and forget it. And what did the paleo banana bread solve? It was delicious banana bread that was paleo, non-GMO, gluten-free, and all you needed was a blender and a pan. No mixing bowl, 
no mixers, no measuring cups, like everything went in a blender and poured in. And so it solved a simplicity problem, a dishes problem, a time problem. And so like for you, I would start focusing on what those problems are that you're going to be solving and helping people with because that's going to create the momentum because once somebody is cooking recipes regularly, they now have confidence. And just like Elp said, once they quit smoking, then they have the capacity to see what they want to work on next. And so once somebody gets in the momentum of, oh, I'm making recipes now, I've always wanted to be able to cook meals and that's going and they're in momentum, they've won. And then they're going to be like, God, now I really wish you could teach me this, or I really wish you could help me with this. And that's where you start to, to create products or solutions to help them get there. So is that helpful at all? Oh, yes, definitely. Okay, cool. And, and listen, like I watch a lot of your stuff, right? Like I love, love the education about food. You handle food all the time. And um, I have a few friends that are chefs and, you know, run the slow food movement in the country and do this farm to table where I live. And the biggest challenge in the country is the education on food the education on food, like we live in a disconnected food society. And so when you're utilizing these things, even when you're interviewing chefs, even when you're, you know, having conversations, you want to interview through the lens of the answers that you get from them should be helping the people you're sharing it with solve a problem, right? And so, you know, we can interview a chef all day and he can tell me, you know, how he makes his roux and, you know, how he makes hollandaise from scratch and blah, 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 blah. John Smith doesn't care when he just wants a meal on the table for his, his family, right? But then you can interview that same chef and be like, hey, when you started cooking, what was the number one thing that you focused on yeah. every day that helped you get oh. to this point, right? Or, hey, as a professional chef, things like this seem overcomplicated, but what are the three mistakes that you recommend every home chef avoid making and how do they fix it, right? And then you're taking that expertise and that knowledge and like Elp said, you're translating it <laughs> into what they need so that then they can get there. And so that's, that's where I would focus. I love it. Is that that's helpful? Great. Oh, definitely. Yes. Thank awesome. You. Awesome. And yeah, I love it. I mean, food's an amazing thing. It's something that people have to do two to three times a day. So yeah. you have the best business in the world because they're never going to stop eating. And so what you really have to figure out is where you're going to insert yourself into that conversation. I love it. I love it. All right, Ed, I'm going to come to you. I haven't had Ed on for a while. So Ed, Ed and I, uh, just for context, Ed and I had a pretty powerful conversation the other day about his business. And so Ed now post that conversation, you know, where do you see like, what's a big challenge or an area of focus that you need clarity on or you want to do, or maybe you just share it and we all help amplify that. So let me have it, my friend. Thanks, George. Yeah, your our conversation was so helpful. I'm so grateful to you. You you really got me focused in on what I need to do. Can I can I actually share it real quick for context before you go? You can keep yourself unmuted. So just to give you guys a 60 second overview, Ed has a very powerful message. If you haven't haven't heard, he can go in prison and relate to prisoners. He can go to the FBI and relate to FBI because they've arrested him and awarded him. He's been through addiction. He's been through all of this, right? And so Ed has a very very powerful message. And so Ed and I were on a call about how to spread the message. And I said, well, you can't be the messenger. And it's a really interesting concept because Ed cannot be the solution. Ed cannot be the vessel. If it's Ed, and I said this to Ed, I said, if Ed, if you're sharing your message, what I say, like a million people might hear it and a couple hundred might implement it. But if you get a hundred other people sharing your message, then that that impact is far greater. And so what Ed and I focused on was the people that are in his community and in his world that believe in what he does, rather than Ed going out on platforms and keynoting and podcasting, what it's still going to do, 
how can Ed empower the people around him to do that for him as soldiers of this message to get that out there? And so does that sum it up pretty well? That, yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. So now you can keep going. No, that, that's it. Yeah. I, I've had uh, a number, I, I've been fortunate that I've been able to inspire an audience with my story, but just like you say, my challenge is how to enroll uh, champions so that they can spread my message. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and this is a good marketing lesson for everybody since, um, you know, we said you have to understand marketing and business to have a chance to do this, right? From a, from a psychological perspective, we have to remember that, you know, we create content, we create products, we help solve problems, right? And that's amazing. When we find somebody and we solve their problem and buy our product, that's great, right? But in my world, I also understand that it's not great if you help somebody with a problem and they never talk about it, right? Now you just have silent solutions, right? And it doesn't help you. 86% of mouth marketing is word of mouth, eight to 10 brand recommendations or non-recommendations, right? So the goal here is in every instance, whenever you're working with customers, your team, your message, is to empower other people to have the wins, have the momentum, and share the message. And there's only one of five reasons that people share. Humor, credibility, controversy, education, and social status. And so as you think about your messaging, right? Like for Ed examples, he's empowering his team. The question would be on the team, like who do I have? Do I have some promoters that are like loud, they're boisterous? Do I have some analyticals who want facts and numbers, right? And then you, you kind of figure out who's there and what gets them excited. And then our job is to give them those modalities and those means. And someone may be like, I'd love to spread your message. I don't have a platform. Great. Put them on a platform. They'll talk all day. Or, you know, I would love to share it, but I really want the facts behind it. Cool. Here's the facts. This is what it is. This is the recidivism rate. This is the depression rate. This is the boom. And then this is what's out. And so we just want to make sure that whether it's your team, your customers, or even the readers of your book or the watchers of your video or like help with, with hypnosis, right? Like, of course, if somebody quits smoking and everybody has identified them for 20 years as a smoker, the moment it's gone, they're going to stand on a rooftop and tell everybody loud and proud because they're getting credibility and social status through that. And they should be right. And so that's where Elps marketing helps handle itself. Right. But also as he deals with this and they quit smoking, they might also have an anxiety problem about confidence and pride. So they might not share so then he might have to work with them on getting micro commitments and shares of like, hey, I know you want to be proud of this. I know you're a little scared. Just tell five of your closest friends. Just text them. I want you to own this story and create the momentum. And so you're designing journeys to create advocates for your brand by just understanding what makes them tick. And so, you know, like Tammy, when you're giving recipes, give a recipe, but then give a tip of something they didn't know and be like, and make sure you tell your girlfriend so they don't make this mistake anymore. And then all of a sudden they're in your kitchen at dinner, in their kitchen dinner. I'm like, have you ever heard of this, you know, cuisine lady, Tammy, she's amazing. Did you know that if you do X, Y, and Z, your dinner's going to taste like crap and I can save you 30 minutes and two dishes. And they're like, what? Right. And then you give it to them. And so it's, it's really, really important. So Ed, in that, what, what is it that you have, like your, your Ed Army, I'm going to call it the, the Ed Message Army, the Cressy Army, I don't know, we'll name it. What is it that they have, you have them going out? Are they doing events? Are they, you know, doing interviews? Like, what is the ultimate goal for you to help spread this message? For right now, it's just understanding that, you know, we don't condone all the acts that people like me who have made mistakes and hurt others, we, we don't condone those acts just like we don't give blanket endorsement to all things law enforcement, right? So when we look at building bridges of trust between law enforcement and communities affected by incarceration and addiction, we focus on what people are doing that's good work. 
and that's helping the communities. It doesn't mean the arrest isn't happening, that we don't need to address the rest. But from my perspective, or what I bring to the table is we focus on the good things that are being done. That's at the core of my message as far as how to implement that into the world. That's really my challenge going forward. So, so what's the challenge in it? How to implement what? Getting people to share positivity? How does get, getting people to share positivity, getting people to share success stories, getting people to recognize the good work that's being done, uh, building those bridges of trust. So what comes up for me with that is that I think there's two buckets of people. There's going to be a bucket of people that are, you know, um, former, you know, formerly incarcerated. There's going to be buckets of people that are former addicts. There's going to be buckets of people that are, you know, in, in your market that have experienced the pleasure of what you've offered, right? So they've already had a win. So of course, they're going to share it. So when you think about it, when you go to Defy, right, De for everybody wondering, Defy Ventures is an amazing organization. Ed and I both support. We go volunteer and go into prison and help them become entrepreneurs, launch business plans. So when they get out, they have a business and some of them get funded, like Shark Tank style. So it's pretty awesome, right? But Ed, like when we go in and we're sitting there and we're, they have the distinction and they're clear and clear and clear, they can't spread the message when they're in and they haven't experienced the positive effects of that yet in the real world. And so... I'd love to say on day two, they're telling the world, but the truth is, is that they have to have this container period where they get to get out, go through their process, implement the work, and then have the momentum and the win, and then they'll stand on the mountaintop super proud, right? Make sense? Just like if you go into a local police station, which you do, and you bring the community in, and you create healthy dialogue between the community and the police force, and all of them have breakthroughs, right? The police are like, God. I didn't know you guys saw us this way. I appreciate it. And the people like, God, I didn't realize you were human. And I love this. When they leave that experience, they have a positive anchor that now they would share from because they've experienced it, right? And so the bucket of people you have there is people that experience it directly. But then, Ed, you have another bucket of people that may have never experienced, right? May have never been addicts to that level or incarcerated. And so what you have to find with them is a window into what they're passionate about, right? Maybe they know somebody or they're passionate about a cause or they want to help. They just have a different angle. And so you have to work with them on giving them the tools to share that message, knowing that one of the core beliefs that's going to come up from them is why, why should I share this message? I haven't been through this. I can't share this with people, right? And that's when I go to my default, my default analogy for this one. Name me one Olympic gold medalist that doesn't have a coach. Name me one of their coaches who has a gold medal. It's less than 3%. The other 97 create gold medalists and have never won a gold medal. Like my dear friend, Jeff Spencer, who's responsible for 100 gold medals plus as a mindset and performance coach. And yet he did compete in the Olympics. He just never won a medal. And so, you know, Ed, that's what I think about. I think for you, you know, if there was a, a textbook answer, I don't think there is one for this, but you just have to understand the people that are sharing your message. And then you have to empower them to get to their breakthrough to where they either shared it from never experiencing it and seeing somebody else's life change. Right. So Ed, right away, somebody who's never been in, you bring them to defy, you have a messenger for life. Because the moment they see an EIT light up or get out or graduate, you know, that gives them the win, right? Or maybe you take them into outreach missions for people in recovery. So you're going to have to start curating experiences for people to experience what it is that your message delivers. And then after they experience that, they will spread that message forever, right? Just like, hey, good dinner at the restaurant. We post the dessert, right? We go to, when I went to Hamilton, I was like, didn't have the money at the time. And I was like, I've always wanted to see this thing. I shelled out $700 for a ticket. 
I watched this thing. I probably posted about it every day for eight weeks. I was like proud of the fact that I was there. It moved me. I went on an eight hour Wikipedia session to learn about Alexander Hamilton because I had no idea. Right. And so I shared it. And so the more that you can create these experiences for people in whatever capacity, the more likely they are to share Ed. And that's, what's really going to spread your message. And it's congruent with your modality, right? They have to experience these things, the community, the, the bridge building. And so it's very congruent on that journey. So that's, that's what I, that's what I think about. Helpful. Very helpful. Thanks, George. No, of course we can't wait to see it, man. All right. Well, I'm gonna go to you, man. I'm gonna go to you. So don't ask me how to sleep more because you just have to put your head on the pillow. Right. When you, when you think about it though, like, and we, and we talked about some stuff when, when you think about intestinal fortitude or your current life, um, what do you see as like the biggest challenge or something that you could use solving for, or, you know, advice on or clarity on right now? Gotcha. Um, basically, uh, I need to, not that you know anything about relationships and algorithms and whatnot, <laughs> but, um, I need to curate the relationships that I've, I've got going with the customers that I have at this point. Mm -hmm. I have a couple thousand customers. Uh, some of them are aware of us because, you know, they came through our site. Some are probably not as aware of us because they came through Amazon and we all know, you know, you're an Amazon customer, you're not a intestinal fortitude customer in a lot of those cases. But even when they are aware of us, I haven't had the time or taken the time or made the time to send the email sequences to welcome them in to build our relationship. I know I need to, I know I want to. Um, and I know you would say, you know, just straight up say, Hey, I screwed up. I didn't say anything the first time around, but I'm, I'm here now. And here's, here's where we're going to start from here. And I know I need to do that. Uh, but I just need, I guess, somebody to help me. Kick you in the shins is what you need, but it's okay. I love you. It's easy. Okay. So, um, when we think about this, right? So the first thing is, is I say this all the time, you can't adopt any more children till you feed the ones that you have, right? And so every time a customer comes in right now, they're coming in to get a product without a relationship with what's there in that product, right? So they, they might get, do they get like a welcome email, a receipt? What do they get from you right now? A thank you email, um, you know, basically. And then I, I do a, a handwritten card in each uh, that. package that comes out from here. Um, I don't do that in the, you know, Amazon ones, obviously. Cause so no let me, let me make this really easy for you. You I already do. Oh yeah. Sorry. You already do a handwritten card. Sorry to cut you off. I, you lagged out for a minute. Um, you already do a handwritten card, which is absolutely amazing. Right. And so when you think about it, you have two buckets, you have Amazon and off Amazon. Now Amazon for everybody listening, I cover this in one of our courses. It's a four hour video on Amazon terms of service and email and how to do it. Right. But you can communicate with your customers on Amazon. You can send them emails. You can't ask them to go to a website. You can't ask them to link anywhere, but you can send them emails. And so the first thing that I would do, Will, is that you are in a situation where you can't really, you probably can't be running email campaigns every day and writing all this content. Right. So you don't need to, but what you really need to do is you have to manage the expectation. Right. And the reason that things don't work is because people have unspoken expectations or needs. And so you mitigate it in the beginning. And so no matter what the platform is, right, Amazon, obviously within terms of service, like 
we're so grateful for you. Our commitment to you, not this is why we started it. Nobody wants to hear about you when they buy your product. They want to hear about them and how it's going to help them, right? So you make your commitment to them. Like, this is why we exist. This is what we're going to help you with. We are here to support you. If you ever need anything, like this is how to get a hold of us. We will answer your questions directly. You know, blah, blah, blah. That's Amazon, right? Off Amazon, you can send those emails, like the, the receipt email, but then send a, you know, like welcome to the family email and say like, I'm proud of you for whatever reason, this is here for you. Like we are fully committed to doing this. I've learned this through experience. And the truth is, is that I don't have the capacity to send you an email every single week right now, but I have an open invitation for you. Anything that we can help you with, anything that you're challenging with, just hit reply to this email and let me know. We'll get on a call. We'll get on a solution. Boom, boom, boom. And then I might follow up in a couple of weeks too. Like if I get an article that I like or something develops here and then I might check in once a week and ask if there's any questions or I'll do you know, a monthly call with, you know, some of my customers and get on zoom and we'll brainstorm ideas, right? You don't have to, it, I think the one thing to remember is that it's not a quantity game, right? Like you could go write 10 emails right now and they might mean nothing compared to one written email that's connected to the person. And so will for me, I, I actually, I think I did this in our lighthouse method course. I wrote a very long email for email number one. And I said, this is the only email you're going to get. So make sure you log into your membership platform because I'm not writing the emails right now. And everybody laughed about it. Everybody responded. They're like, thanks for telling me. But it puts it out there and it puts it front of mind, right? And so what I would venture to say, not venture, what I would recommend is that you currently prioritize of this thinking through, okay, who is the customer coming into my world? And we'll just say off Amazon for now, right? On Shopify, who is the customer coming into my world? And knowing that they're probably, you know, you have three products, right? And there's probably one or two or one that they buy more of, right? And so what are the commonalities between these people? And so emails one entire job is to acknowledge them, congratulate them, and give them the next step, right? So whether it's a, you know, take this consistently, here's some tips for you, and then open the door to crowdsource a relationship, right? Ask what they're struggling with and build it, and then start building it as you respond. And then you can do the same thing on social and parts like that. But really all you need to put up is like one to two emails right now. And then you're done and you have it. You're going to start collecting feedback. And then what you do is once that's in place, then you go out and email your list that you have of customers and you take it on the chin. But you don't have to take it on the chin like that bad. You haven't stolen from anybody. You haven't under delivered on anything. You just didn't email them and that's completely fine, right? And so you just send them an email and just acknowledge it. Be like, God, I absolutely love and appreciate you. And the truth is, is that I want to be in a better relationship with you. We're creating these products and we want to serve you with education and boom. But I'd love to know, like, if you'd be willing to jump on a call with me for 10 minutes and let me ask you some questions, how I can support you or reply to this email. And you just send that out as an invitation to really get into the pulse and the heartbeat of your customers. And, and you're going to get flooded with responses and people are going to be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry that you even feel bad. Like you never needed to email me. I should have emailed you. Or thank you so much for asking me how you can help me. And you're going to start to get that. But then what that's going to give you is the path of like, oh, this is what people want to learn on social media. Oh, this is the content people want on my website. Oh, this is what they want to learn in email. And then will you have the ingredients required to then even think about an email strategy or think about a content strategy while you're also nurturing and building relationships in that. And you'll, you might even find, because people with Crohn's, I feel like they're in two buckets there and I didn't know I had Crohn's, somebody just tell me what to do, or I know I have Crohn's, I've been advocating and I'm helping other people and I'm taking this for me. And you probably have 20% of your customers that are already influencers in some way, shape or form, just based on the, the product that you have. And so 
you could even have them come on your social and do takeovers or give them, you know what I mean? You can, you have to start fostering those relationships to find those things. And so I would say just prioritize it to get at least one email up automated, right? For when they buy after they get their confirmation email, get another one and then um, send one email out to your list, opening up a dialogue and a conversation and, uh, and figure out, you know, kind of what you have, what you're working with and what you can do. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, no, of course, man. I love it. It's awesome. It's awesome stuff. And, and you just, I'm going to prep you. Your responses are going to be long. Like mine are easy. They're like, Oh, I wish I knew how to do email marketing. Uh, you're in the health space and the health space that challenges somebody. Like if you don't treat your Crohn's, you're miserable. Like it's bad. It's really, really bad. Right. And so you're going to get some really lengthy responses and just be prepped for those. Give them the time that they need and send them back. Cause you're going to get stories from people like, Oh my God, I struggled with this for 18 years and I found this and this, and you want to save those things, but also know that that's the depth that your audience will attract just based on the nature of your product and what you created. Thanks. Oh, I could hear the delay. I heard my voice like six seconds later. That was really weird. I was like, why is he just staring at me? No, I love it. I don't know what's going on. Awesome. Uh, is that helpful? Will? Just cause you're so handsome. I know. I love it. I shaved today. Yeah, is that, very, is that very awesome awesome <laughs> and i think for yeah, everybody listening I'll, and and yeah and on every everybody listening and and all businesses when we think about this it's like priority wise everybody in the market teaches you you need to go find new customers go find new customers go find new customers right but if you bring new customers into a world where there is not support, you are just burning bridges before they even had a chance to be built. And so make sure that your priorities are this, that you take care of your existing customers because they're the ones who got you here. They're the ones who funded your ability to do this. They're the ones who trusted you and bought the products. They're the ones who gave you enough money to be able to run ads. They're the ones who converted on the email. So just because you got big and you want to scale, doesn't mean you can ignore them first. You need to fill their bucket first and make sure they're taken care of. So when you bring in new customers, they come into that level of depth of relationship that they walk into like a warm welcome. You know, we call it a warm welcome for the weary travelers in our world that they feel accepted and welcome and safe to accomplish their goals, use your product and achieve, you know, the results they're looking for. So I love it. All right, Elp, I'm going to come to you. You're batting, you're batting cleanup right. today. I'm like, I feel like I'm going to learn something from you, but yeah, let, let's hear it, man. Okay. What do you want to know? Oh yeah. Where I should have asked you a question. Sorry. Yeah. No, like when no you look problem. about it. So, I mean, obviously yeah. you have a lot of experience here, right? And you've been doing your hypnotherapy business uh, or hypnosis business full time for a year and a half, you said? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. So when you, when you look at it, obviously like you're in a stage of the company where you can get your clients, right? You can yeah. produce results. You know what they need or what yes. they want to deliver what yes. they need. So now in that capacity, like where are you seeing opportunities for growth or areas that you need to focus on or shift or like, where do you yes. see any of that? I I'm moving right now from one to one to one to many. So okay. I've just uh, finished my first 21 day challenge quit smoking program with uh, in a group online all over Germany, Swiss and Austria. And uh, I delivered hypnosis online to the group, but also exercises, daily coaching via WhatsApp. So I had them in a WhatsApp group, coached them daily, starting with good morning, how are you folks? And, and uh, giving them daily exercises, the first 
first week, first one and a half weeks were conscious smoking with a lot of awareness processes. And, and basically the main point is that they need to prepare for their stress moments because uh, it's, 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 it's a lengthy process where they need to prepare themselves especially. And then the hypnosis kicks in and, and can help them. Uh, this was the first thing. It was not profitable for me at all, which was planned because it was like a beta, beta run. So I, I charged very little, over-delivered, uh, everybody happy, like half of the group quit smoking, which was a small group. Uh, another half are still on the way, but they were happy anyway. They say, mm -hmm. wow, what I've learned, uh, I mean, so much more than quitting smoking. And now I want to roll this out. And what I do right now is I, I work with a partner um, who, who supports me in this on, on the level of, of tactics. He just uh, had a, had a webinar campaign webinar the, the funnel is like like a facebook ad goes to many chat little sequence there goes to a webinar and a webinar subscription and from there they buy my product and off we go but this is just tactics i don't have really a strategy how i will transition uh to do this more to grow this bigger to do this probably even on another channel i even do not currently offer this on my website. Mm -hmm. It's just like a side project that I wanted to, to put my, uh, uh, get my feet into and see how it feels and if I can deliver results, most importantly for me, right? Because if not, there's no point. And now I see there is a potential where I can probably even deliver bigger results more quick to more people simultaneously. And I wanna uh, have an idea somehow I don't have it too much in my mind how this could look like from a marketing perspective uh, uh, to grow this in a profitable way as well, because webinar campaigns, very expensive yep. to make them profitable at all was difficult. Now I ended up like, like 15 bucks per uh, registration. subscriber yep. registration and then uh, sales even, even we're still okay. We're like 40 bucks per, okay. per sale was okay. But um, it's it's not a high ticket offer, right? I mean, the yeah. the the price will be three hundred bucks, and and for this offer, and I don't know really how to how to approach this to make it profitable because there's where I really want to go. Yeah, and I, I want to reach as many as possible and quit smoking and then weight loss afterwards and stress yeah. uh, relief. Yeah. So I think, I think the first thing here is like, and we just, we've been dealing with this too, right? So, hmm. you know, webinars used to be the thing, right? But to get undivided attention, 60 minutes, 90 minutes, when most of the people who would sign up for your webinar have already self-identified as that problem, don't yep. really need any more convincing. They need yep. entry points and access, right? So okay. the way in which I see this, when you think about it, so the 21 day challenge is, is gold, nailed it, right? Absolutely nailed it, right? And so you have to have two entry points. You have to have an entry point of a webinar, which should be an overview of the challenge and what they're going to get, right? Like, hey, here's the Bugatti. This is what it looks like. This is how fast it goes. This is what you're gonna look like in it. And by the way, if you wanna know how to drive it, join the challenge or exactly. the first three steps of the challenge or first three yes. days to create momentum, yes. right? Now, here's what right. the thing is. When was the last time any of you ever registered for a webinar and then shared the webinar with your friends? Never. None of us have ever shared a webinar, ever. Right. 
because right. the nature of a webinar is like, we know it's transactional. We wouldn't send our friends there, but yet we'll sit through it to suffer. Yes. Just to get what's on the other side, right? But then on the other side, how many times have you created results or momentum from a challenge or wanted to do it with somebody and then sent it to them? Like, hey, do this challenge mm -hmm. with me. Like, hey, do this right. here, right? And so the first thing is I think you need to make sure that you're set up to succeed. And so, you know, from a, a lead magnet perspective, right, the challenge itself mm -hmm. is paid, whatever the price is. So you have two options, really. You can give everybody like the first seven days of the challenge for free or three days of the challenge for free, and then they have to pay to continue, or you give right. them some other distinction that would lead to that challenge for free, and then you figure out where people are going. So before I even go paid, I go find some people that like would promote with me or I get interviewed with, or I'll just create content around it. Slowly but surely, I go find people and put you know quote unquote beta members in, and I'll be like, all right, cool, do you want the webinar or the mini course? They're like, mini course, mini course, mini course. You start to figure out where people are, and what they're responding to, what's working, what's not working. And then you ask them like, okay, did you win? Like, would you share this with friends? Like you actually have to do that deep research of like what moves the needle for them. But the reason I say this, Elp, is because, you know, when we think about customer journeys, you know, if somebody goes to the webinar and they don't buy, right? Mm. And you're going to retarget them, where do you send them back? To the same webinar? Right. right. No. Like the thing that they said no to is not where they should be sent back to. No means no. That's what consent is. No means no. Yes. It applies in digital yes. marketing as well. Okay. And so when right. you think about it, you're like, okay, cool. Well, at some point they were interested. They were interested to web register. They were interested to show up, but something mm. was missing for them to join. Mm. Right. And mm. so like my brain's like, well, immediately, well, why don't I just give them three days for free? I'm like, Hey, you mm. were on the webinar. <sighs> I couldn't listen to myself talk that much either. So screw it. Here it is, get the first three days, you're gonna have X, Y, and Z, and then now you've basically plugged another hole in the bucket. And then you have the mini course, right? Maybe people drop out, and then you run it out, like, hey, we know you signed up, you haven't completed it yet. You know, if you're like me, and you just wanna watch it in one sitting, well, I have this video for you, it's a 45-minute webinar where I go through the whole thing, here you go. And you're mm -hmm. basically covering both ends of the spectrum because we don't know which one's going to move the needle, which one's going to come in, right? And so mm -hmm. that's where we start. And then what I do, and this is the best thing that you can do on social media right now. Mm -hmm. I don't ever run ads to many chats, to quizzes, or to webinars. We do the webinars on the social media platform. And then they leave a comment or enter at the end of it, right? And so meet them where they are. Oh. And so it's like, oh, I want to quit smoking. Cool. So click this ad, take this many chat quiz, give me your email, go to this page, wait for an email, wait for the video, put it in your calendar or watch it right now. And so we also have to make it easy for people. And so, you know, uh, Lady Boss and ClickFunnels, I remember she made $50 million of the Facebook webinar. And by a Facebook webinar, I mean, she did a live video that said the three secrets to why you can't lose weight. And then leave a comment below if you want information and this free guide. And it went to $147 offer for women and uh, around 50 million bucks in two years. Wow. Um, and so people are voting with their attention. People are on TikTok, right? People are on Instagram. People are on Facebook Live, right? And so it's like, okay, cool. Well, go on TikTok and make a 60-second TikTok video of five ways to quit smoking right now to put into practice. And if you guys want more, here's my mini course. Go on Facebook right now. I'm like, guys, listen. I can teach you three distinctions that will help you quit smoking today and start that mm -hmm. path. If you can give me 15 minutes, go boom, boom, boom. If you want a copy of those with a video of me walking you through them, leave me a comment below and we'll send you a link and then you get their email. Then you introduce them to the mini course. Right. And so right. 
I think it's easy to go like, oh, let's run a webinar, let's run a webinar. And I, I agree with paid traffic. We use paid traffic. I've spent hundreds of millions of dollars on ads, right? But only when we know that when we spend it, we're not going to lose it. And that's mm -hmm. how I think about it. Where can we solve those gaps or solve those problems? And so that's, that's kind of what comes up for me. And then the other big part from a marketing perspective that my brain said, the easiest things, like when you think about it, especially with people quitting smoking or quitting, um, you know, quitting drinking or, you know, their health challenges, mm -hmm. we can tell them all day, all day that they can do it and we can help them do it. They still won't believe it because they can't see it. The moment yeah. you interview somebody who has right. done it and they identify with that avatar, you don't have to say a word and they're in. So any ads on the front or even any content would be doing an interview, like a two minute interview of like, what was it like before? What does it feel like now? How easy was it for you? Boom. You don't even have to say you have a challenge. There's just going to be a link below and they're like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And so I utilize those things first because those are the things that you don't have to convince people. You don't have to get somebody to click on a cold ad and be like, oh, by the way, you have no idea who I am. Let me tell you 33 mm -hmm. years of experience in some 60 second semblance where we can't communicate. Mm -hmm. And then I want you to trust me with 90 minutes of your time to convince you that you need my help to quit smoking when you're only watching this because you wanted to quit smoking and you just need the belief that you can actually do it. And now I'm just making it worse. Oh, and then now pay me to come in rather than like, mm -hmm. oh, no, here's what it looks like. Here's how you can show it. Here's how you can feel it. Oh, look, you just did that. Oh, look how you notice now for seven days in a row what the trigger was when you picked up that cigarette. Notice how aware you are now. This is mm -hmm. actually the first step, right? And so those are the ways in which I do it. So I always think about how far out can I go and get them to experience what it's going to be like on the other side before they ever get there. And that's kind of mm -hmm. how I, I think about breadcrumbing people in ethically, you know, per mm -hmm. se, but also effectively. Um, mm -hmm. and, and we're in this right now, just for everybody watching or listening, you know, we um, created the Lighthouse Method course, which is the proudest thing I've ever created in my career, ever, right? And my webinar and everything, we're running it. I remember. <laughs> yes, yes, and you remember, and I love it. I love we're, run, it. <laughs> we're running this webinar. We're running this webinar. We're getting right. 70 registrants, 70 registrants, mm. 50 registrants, and then two people show up. And then I started reaching out and asking. And they're like, I don't have time. I couldn't get my kids watched. The state of the world right now. I don't have 90 minutes. I don't, blah, blah, blah. But then the moment I get on a call in like two minutes, I'm like, oh, try this. Like, oh my God, and then they're in right? And yeah. it's like, they didn't need a lot of that. And I think with digital marketing in general, I think we go to overcomplication first because mm. we're in such a saturated, ancestral, like disgusting industry sometimes. And we're competing. Mm. And so like, well, they did it and they did it and they did it and they did it. Or I saw that webinar funnel and they had this and this and this and this and this. And I said, yeah, but that's two years down the road. Like we have to get right down to the brass tacks of it of like, what is the lever? that's going to move somebody forward, right? Mm -hmm. And so before I ever invest in ads, like what is that lever? And it's like, well, we might try a live video, we might try a webinar, we might try a mini course, we might try interviews. And then when we start to get a reaction or momentum to one, then we double down on that lever and they're like, oh, this one works. Oh, now let's try to introduce this to new people that have never heard about us. And that's kind of how we prioritize and start it. So it's pretty methodical. And, and I will say this for everybody listening, webinars still work in some industries and they still work in some cases. But three years ago, it was the wild, wild west. I was watching people, you know, get webinar registrations for a dollar and netting a grand a pop. And like, I know a few friends that made $50 million of webinars. I have a friend that made $250 million of the webinar and he spent 10 grand to make the entire video and production, made 250 million bucks, right? Wow. Wow. doesn't happen anymore. Some of the industries we're seeing registration leads 110, 120, $130 
just because that's so saturated and then you guys have to understand how paid media works, right? And so, um, and th this is applicable too. Currently, when you think about paid media or buying ads on Google, on Facebook, Facebook has more ads bought than there is space to show them. Okay, so that's the first thing to yes. remember, right? Yes. And so the way that ad networks work, right, is Facebook, we buy ads to Facebook. Facebook sells that space to us, but then they can't fill it all. So then another ad network comes in and says, we want that money. We can find you 3 million impressions. They buy the remaining traffic, but yet they can only deliver on a million of them. So then those 2 million that you paid for now, they want the money. So they create bots and fake accounts to get the impressions and it's not getting served on Facebook. And so like it's, it's like six levels deep when you think about the ad networks and thing. And so we pay and we're like, yeah, but based on what I've understood and like I talked to all the experts here and one of my friends spends $750 million a year on just Facebook ads. So wow. one, I think he's the, the second highest account. And so I get a lot of insight from him and he told me based on his insider knowledge that less than 25% of your audience sees your ads that you're trying to get to. So basically wow. you're spending $100 to meet these 100 people, but you're actually spending $100 to only get to 25 Well, you're told they're getting to 100. And so it's really important that you do as much of the customer journey as possible prepaying. Or if you're paying, you're not trying to pay and compete where everybody else is, right? So everybody else is running to webinar registrations, but ELP, you go do a live video for 30 minutes and you do a webinar on Facebook and then you just have people comment and instead of running for webinar registrations, you run an ad for engagement. And Facebook, how does Facebook win? Facebook wins when more people stay on their platform longer, right? Mm. They don't want people mm. to click off. They want people to consume their content, watch their videos and get in the endless scroll. So now your webinar isn't taking them off of Facebook. It's keeping them on Facebook. It's getting them engaged in your content. It's getting them engaged in the comments and then you're keeping them on the platform and then even using a tool like ManyChat, which Yev partnered with, or not Yev, uh, Mikhail partnered with Facebook. And so that's still within their platform and so when you start running those things where somebody will be getting a webinar registration for $30, we've seen them for like seven cents because now they're getting a piece of content. They self-identified as a customer. I didn't have to retarget them, wait for clicks. If they didn't watch it, they left. If they watched it and they liked it, they commented. And then the right people were showing up as well. So that's mm. a pretty loaded answer on a lot of different levels. But I think that's something that obviously I think you should try. And by the way, uh, my buddy, uh, James Swanwick from the blue light blocking glasses, he runs a 30 day, no alcohol challenge and wow. go check it out. He's done really, really amazing. And then Carrie in our group runs one as well, but James does really amazing with it and Great. has proved it out. And I know there's a market for it that leads into the back end for what you do um, and really has the potential to have legs. And so I think if you focus it, you know, on that, on that side of it, not so much the webinar registration, but like getting people right. into it and that it's going to get legs pretty quick and it's going to sustain itself pretty fast. Fantastic answer. Very, awesome. very deep. Thank cool. you. I hope it's recorded because I will listen to it several times. <laughs> well, it is because <laughs> we're, re we're recording the podcast. So I hope yeah. I recorded this. It is recording, right? Whoo. Okay. Got it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Great. Thank you. <laughs> so no, I, I love it. I love it. So um, I just have one, I have one closing question. Uh, well, maybe a couple, but just one for everybody. And I've been asking this on a lot of podcasts because I really, really love it. And, and I'll give context for mine. Right. So, um, you know, when I think about, 
this. We, we talk about relationships, them beating algorithms all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And we know they're amazing when they're transactional, right? Like, oh, I know this buddy and he did this for me. Or, you know, I know this person, they gave me this answer, right? But the power of relationships goes deep. And it's really interesting on where it applies in our life and business. And so I want to hear from each one of you of like, and give yourself a minute to think, I'm going to share mine in a minute, um, where the power of relationships is positively impacted like your business or life or where like somebody was like, oh no, that's not going to be worth it, but you pursued it anyways. And it ended up being like one of the craziest things ever. Right. And so I'll share one of my examples. I've been told by many, many people that I give away too much for free. And my wife tells me all the time I talk too much and I'm okay with that. I love it. Right. But you put me on an airplane next to somebody and I guarantee you that they will not get to put their headphones in for six hours if we're flying together. Like Tyler will tell you, <laughs> he, he's been there with me. I just love people. Like I love asking questions. I love hearing about stuff. And uh, flying became one of the biggest business movers for me ever. I got to work with the CEO of Playboy, eHealth, NBA teams, and three of the biggest NBA superstars because I gave 11 hours of my time to free advice on airplanes. And so I would have never imagined this. I was in South, I was in, uh, Zion, uh, I was in, I, I was in Scotland. I was in Scotland and I was flying home and this really tall guy came and sat next to me and I just noticed he had something in his hands. I was like, oh, that's amazing. What is that? And he told me, I was like, oh, nice to meet you. What do you do? He told me, he's like, what do you do? And he told me what he did. He happened to be the manager for an NBA team. And I said, do you guys have any challenges when it comes to like your marketing? And he's like, oh my God, bro, you would never believe it, but I'd never be able to get in the office because they won't listen. I said, what if I wrote it for you right now, gave it to you on a piece of paper and you could go execute it, would it work? He said, yeah. So I spent seven hours on that flight writing a basically marketing plan for Instagram alone. And I gave it to him and he gave him my phone number. Now I get to work with them every day. I have two of the biggest MBA stars as personal clients all because I took the time on that plane and, and single-handedly it was probably one of the biggest needle movers. Tyler's met him. We've been to dinner with him. We go to the games all the time and that relationship, I don't want anything. I don't want to get paid. I don't want anything. That relationship means everything to me and it's just been a big needle mover. And so I love kind of hearing from people what that was. So Ed, I'm going to let, I'm going to let you go first. Don't tell me it was when the FBI arrested you and then it turned into a good thing. It did. It did. Well, 11 years of devastating meth addiction yep. turned out to be one of my greatest blessings. But for relationships, I found that when we look past uniforms, whether it's the uniform of a person in prison or the uniform of a police officer, when we look to the human beings who wear the uniforms, we can form some strong bonds, we can form some tight relationships, and we can heal some of society's deepest wounds. And I, I, I want to jump on that and say uniforms of the way in which we see people in the world too, just because of their social posts or just because of their clothes or just because of their car, right? Those are all just things that aren't really true for people. They're just projections and fears and things. And so I love that. Ed. That's absolutely amazing, amazing piece of us. All right, I'm going to have Will go and then Tammy and then Elp and then Tyler. You're going to close with the last one. So... I obviously, as you know, have that day job, which is not an entrepreneurial (laughs) scenario, situation at all. Um, So a lot of my relationships end up being sort of uh, almost not real uh, through uh, podcasts and things where I meet virtually with people that are in this industry. So like I was listening to a Ryan Daniel Moran podcast that you were on. Uh, a couple of years ago, that's how I was introduced to you. I followed that to this group. Now, obviously, I'm here. Now, I've sort of been introduced to these guys. 
who are now, you know, relationships in their own right. And when you don't uh, have a daily conversation with people that understand this world, you can kind of lose sight of some of the highs and lows. Uh, and so it's so nice to talk with somebody who's like, oh, yeah, okay, that's awesome that you've done that. What do you think about doing this? Or, yeah, don't forget about this. Or, hey, that's really great. Like, you're already at a spot where, like, you should be. Whereas some days you think, like, oh, man, it's not really working. And then you have a conversation where you go, oh, actually, I guess it is working. And, oh, okay, actually, wow, this first year was actually really good. Like, there are times when you go, oh, I didn't really make it that far. And then you go, oh, look how far I made it. And those are based off relationships that aren't even uh, physical relationships in my life but these sort of virtual relationships through these calls through not webinars but you know listening to you talk seeing other people's comments listening to the podcast and seeing myself my business in these other people's businesses uh so for me the relationships that have helped me to continue forward with intestinal fortitude uh, are the relationships like it's the relationships that aren't even relationships that have made me feel more normal in my approach to this side venture uh, that takes up so much of my mental capacity, but in my my everyday real relationships, like it hasn't really got a, a big place. And I love so that, it's man. these virtual relationships that are really making life better for me. That is that such is a different answer. There's another lag, so I'm really sorry. No, you're no, good. That That's such that's a different answer different. than I expected that's and so perfect. I love that answer. So thank you for sharing that. All right, Tammy. There we go. I was just thinking while Will was talking about his relationships and really the impact um, in my business then starting right now has just been um, years ago I worked for my mom and worked with people with mental and physical disabilities and one of the things that she said was that we need to, it was a, a community-based setting, and she said that we need to go out and build relationships with people. And whether it's somebody in a restaurant or somebody who owns a restaurant or somebody at the park or whatever. And I didn't totally understand that. I mean, we did more or less, looking back on it, I was like, hey, that's what we really did. And then when I moved from Virginia to Florida, and started going to the farmer's market every week. And I would talk to people and talk to some of the vendors and sometimes two or three times before I would purchase something. And I realized, you know, it was all about building the relationships. And now that I'm doing the food blog and I'm going and I'm talking to some of these people, some of these chefs that I've talked to several times at the farmer's market and you know, realizing that that really is what it is. It's all about building those relationships. And it's all about helping people experience, you know, the joy in building the relationships. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I, I think sometimes I do it too much, but that's okay. I'll, I'll learn to turn it down. I can always slow down. It's kind of hard to speed up, but I, I love that. Thank you for sharing, Tammy. All right, Alp. Yeah, I have similar stories like you, not, not on this level, but there's, there's a few clients that I've helped that have become my best salespeople that mm -hmm. I don't need to pay. They run around and, 
I, it's crazy. Every week the telephone rings. Hey, uh, this is this is a recommendation again from this guy, again from this guy, and yep. he meets another one. I got I got uh, great deals for a flat by because of this, like one recommendation after the other. But what what strikes me most and impresses me most is not so much even the business deals, but that people open up their minds as soon. As, as we really talk and connect from the heart. I had people open up with different political views just by saying, you know, I couldn't imagine that somebody with this view is such a nice guy. Yeah. I couldn't believe this. Or uh, that, I, I mean, my topic, hypnotism and hypnosis is a little bit woo-woo. Yep. Uh, I mean, maybe there is some mind control, there is some power over people, etc. But then they meet me and say, but this must be okay if you are doing this and then just trust me and, and things go well and, and they become my best advocates. Yeah. I so, love and, and I thank you for really this message relationships beat algorithms. I think the, the most profound thing that we have as humans are really relationships. And it's, yeah. it's, I think it's the key to success in life and business. I mean, yeah. there is nothing else than relationships and I love it. How you, how you, really nail it down by saying, you know, digital marketing is trying to copy what we always did. Mm -hmm. And if it's done badly, it doesn't work. But it, the, the better it comes close to a real conversation, a real connection between people, then that's the best. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And what's interesting is like, and I want to be clear on this, the power relationships aren't transactional. Like, that relationship I have is great. I have a friend and I got business out of it. But what I think the deeper part of it is, is that when you build an authentic relationship with somebody, you give them the opportunity to support you. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you're looking for it or asking for it. But if you are not right. standing on solid ground of like, I see you, I hear you, and I respect you as a human, they actually can't, which is what leaves it feeling transactional, right? So when I see customers that are like, advocating what that tells me is that they feel seen heard and respected and they want to share more of it because they were invited to do that and they have the opportunity to do that and so the power of relationships is is us understanding like we can delete everything and the human race is still going to be here and all we have left is each other right and mm -hmm. so that has to be the foundation that human to human and then we build on top of that the business and the marketing and the messaging and the service and the support and by the way for all of you like oh that's not how business is done i'm like I get people to pay me six figures and it's only because we have a relationship because you can try to transact with somebody all day and you give them a number and you're out, right? The moment you have a relationship and everything is on solid ground, objections disappear. And so there's many levels of this. And so I want to invite everybody to really focus on this and think about it. And I'm gonna let Tyler come bat and clean up my, my master heart centered, amazing human over here of where they have affected you, helped you, whatever you want, Tyler, give it to everybody. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm gonna give you guys a little contrast. Um, so where where I grew up, uh, I consider it a dead zone, right? Um, most people end up on welfare, end up project housing, uh, end up on drugs, jail, that kind of stuff. And my crowd, when I was growing up, uh, you know, my best friends, like we all came from drug addiction, uh, like families with drug addictions, missing parents in the system, stuff like that. And my group of friends, quickly, we started going down the path of drugs as well. And the more I hung out with these people, the more my 
things just kept going wrong in my life. And I always thought like, ah, oh, it's like a bad coincidence. It's not, it has nothing to do with me. It's a bad coincidence. But the more I hung out with these people, the more these bad coincidences kept happening until finally I hit rock bottom and, um, and decided I'm, I'm moving away. I have no idea where I'm going to go. I'm going to pack up my car. I'll be homeless in my car for, I don't care how long, as long as I don't have to be here. And I did that. And I started getting out and focusing on, on the people around me and, and surrounding myself with the right people. And I ended up getting connected with a, a pretty prominent entrepreneur uh, whose podcast I listened to a lot at the time. And uh, basically, kind of weaseled my way into doing some work with him. Uh, he was looking for a videographer and I lied and said I was a videographer. Um, and it worked. He's like, yeah, I want to work with you. Cool. I was like, cool. So I went and got a videographer, brought him. Ultimately, the guy was going to pay me $1,000 for a day of work. And at that point, that was more money than I'd have, like, I, I would have had to work months to get that kind of money. And I ended up turning down that offer saying, I don't want your money. I want to be your friend. And I just want to be, I want to have you in my life and I want to be in your life. And that person has introduced me into this whole world of digital marketing has created, helped me create this network around me. Uh, as a result of that relationship, like I have people who uh, spend their whole life focused on stock investing and they'll just text me and be like, Hey, inside source tells me invest in this, do it. And I don't have to think anything about, it. I've made, I've made close to a hundred thousand dollars in stock investing, and I don't know shit about stocks. I just have friends who text me and say, hey, invest in this, don't ask questions. And I say, cool, it's worked. So there's that contrast there of like one group of people uh, worked as like an anchor in my life and drowned me, and I drowned myself as a result of it. And then another group of people worked like a hot air balloon in my life and lifted me up and brought me into this person that I, I've always known I was. Man, I love that. I love that. That makes my heart happy, Tyler. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being amazing. So everybody, I just want to say thank you. So Ed, Will, Tammy, Elp, and Tyler, thank you for sharing this episode with me. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for doing the work that you do. And thank you for being a part of this. So um, we're going to officially wrap episode 50. And so for everybody listening, thank you. Um, I have a challenge for all of you and I don't need you to do anything. I just want you to think about it. I want you to look at your life. I want you to look at your business. And I want you to identify one to three areas where you can lean into the power of relationships more, where you know that there's something missing, or you could send a text right now, or you could make a phone call and you could absolutely change the trajectory of somebody's life or business, whether it's a customer, whether it's a friend, whether it's a, a family member, whether it's somebody you haven't talked to in years. And I challenge you to pursue one to three of those things and, and let's make a positive ripple and dent in the world. And so with all that being said, this concludes episode 50. Remember that relationships will always beat algorithms and we will see you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode. And like I said in the beginning and probably a ton of times throughout, make sure you subscribe to the show if you want to hear more. Now, leave a review if you like me. Actually, don't leave a review if you like me. Just leave a review if you feel so inclined. But I'm going to ask you because it helps other people find this. And I'm going to give you a little marketing lesson in the outro of this anyways. Go to mindofgeorge.com so you can get into our crazy family and also get a free gift my team and I made for you. Now, here's the thing. There's only four types of customer journeys and I'm sending you to one page to cover all of it. But our job is to give 
give you everything that you need to succeed as an entrepreneur. See, what I want is I want you to be in our family. I want to be in a relationship with you. And I want you to have a win before I ever get a win. And so on that page, you'll see some of the best stuff that we have. Our top podcast episodes, our free courses we put together, our free content. And there's one in particular that I'm super proud of. We put together a free 30-day transformational marketing course. Literally, just need your email so you can get in and get into the membership site. We talk about the two most important documents in your business, your lighthouse and your avatar sheet, which we now call the beacon of beliefs in your captain's assessment. We teach you about the conscious and subconscious customer journey, how to have congruency in your marketing, the psychology of email marketing, the six email sequences that your business needs to have right now to win, the two most wasted pieces of real estate and digital marketing that you can fix right now, my special five-part email recipe, and how to reframe your card abandonment strategy so you don't insult people's intelligence anymore, plus whatever else I can come up with on a certain level of crazy, because my mission is to teach you that relationships will always beat algorithms, and I'm ready to be on your team, I'm ready to be in your corner, and it's time for you to win a gold medal. So make sure you go to mindofgeorge.com, and we'll see you in the next episode. I love you all. Bye.